Hey, my name is Pastor Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive City. Thank you so much for checking out our latest message. I just want to let you know the first couple minutes of this message, the audio got a little messed up. That's why it's going to sound weird. But about four minutes in, it switches over and you'll be able to hear just fine. Again, thank you so much to Pastor Brandon Samuel from the chapel for giving such a life-giving and encouraging message this week. I hope you enjoy it. So um, let's dive into God's Word. Has anybody ever been disappointed in the last three years? Come on, anybody ever been discouraged? <laughs> Where are the emotional people in the room? Come on, somebody. Okay, I married my wife. She's kind of even keel. I'm kind of up and down. So let's take a poll. Where are the kind of the even keel people? You just let it go. Come on, somebody. All right, where are the people that you're a mess? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, we're going to start a small group after church. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the name Lynn Swan. He's a famous wide receiver, all-star. Uh, he made all these acrobatic catches, and he's known as his highlight reel. And they asked him where he learned to make these incredible football uh, receiving catches. And he literally said um, he learned it by, he credits what made him uh, all his acrobatic catches with actually learning ballet in high school. And... Uh, and Lynn actually says, you try leaving high school football practice with a pair of tights and slippers. And then, and then he shared, how, how many know that would be a tough thing, right? And he said, that's how he learned how to not only make acrobatic catches, but that's how he learned to overcome criticism in his life, right? You can imagine a high school football player with, with do you call them ballet slippers? I'm not, it's, I've exhausted my full knowledge of ballet right now. And, uh, but, you know, I was realizing in life, oh, yeah, that's why I'm so excited, Pastor, you gave me this this week, because I really believe our life, the trajectory of our life and our faith is limited in large, um, to, to a large extent, to our ability to overcome discouragement, to overcome disappointment, to overcome um, struggles. Discouragement is living in the space of what you thought would happen and what actually happened. You know, discouragement is living in the space of lost enthusiasm and lost hope. And, and so that's the real reality this weekend. It's not, I'm here to encourage you by, by telling you it's okay to be, I'm going to try to talk about discouragement without discouraging you, okay? But it's just a part of life is, is going through discouragement. So we're in Nehemiah chapter 4, that's where we're at. If you're new here today, we're just marching through the book of Nehemiah as a church. And so we're going to be in Nehemiah 4, verses 1 to 4. And then verse 10, come on, we'll read it together. It says, uh, or I'll read it. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria. And he said, look at these words. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Look how insulting. Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from heaps of rubble burned as they are? What, what are they, they building? Look at these discouraging words. Even a even if a fox climbs up on a, on a wall and breaks it down. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength and the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. So let me give you this first point here today. Ready? Here's number one. You ready? Here it is. Don't be discouraged. In all our building, there will be battling. Come on, just write that down, would you? In all our building, there will be battling. Come on, say it with me. In all our what? In all our building, there will be what? You're, you're finding this already in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is like one chapter is great, one, the next chapter is bad. 
One chapter is great, the next chapter is bad. One chapter is great, the, the next chapter is bad. In fact, has anybody ever used the phrase, one step forward? Come on, what? what's the next one? So, so part of life, I mean, no, part of life is, is going forward and coming back. Going forward and coming back. In fact, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, uh, the real test of leadership is to, to go through failures with no loss of enthusiasm. And so what I think the nation of Israel did was they learned that part of building was battling. And I think that's so true in our life. Every time we want to build something great and God's building something in our life, there's progress and then there's challenges. There's difficulty and there's obstacles. And for Nehemiah, there are these guys named Sanballat and Tobiah, and they are professional critics. Have you ever met um, somebody who's just always negative? Don't raise your hand because maybe you're sitting next to them. Uh, but you know what I mean? They, they have the gift of criticism, the gift of pointing out what's wrong. They, they're just so good at letting you know all the time what's wrong with you. You know what I mean? And that's what Sam Ballot and Tobiah were. They were just always there with Nehemiah. And they, were, they, they weren't rebuilding the wall. They were watching him build it. And they were like, that's not very good. No, if a fox climbs up on that, it'll fall down. Oh, is that what you're really doing? Oh, you don't look like you got, oh, I don't know. How many know, how many know it takes more um, uh, uh, strength to be in the game trying to win than on the sidelines assessing, right? It's what all of us do with professional sports, don't we? We, we? we watch our teams on TV and we complain about them, right? Like we could do any better, right? And, and so um, I want to talk to you for a few minutes this weekend about what are some of the causes of discouragement and and it won't be discouraging, I hope not. But let me give you a few of the causes of discouragement. Here, just, just think of this one. Here's the first one. When I focus on my insecurity rather than God's ability, right? Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall. They're actually nine foot thick walls, so they're strong. But discouragement comes when the people say to them, what are these feeble Jews doing? Can, can they, they can't even rebuild it. A fox will knock it down. And they start to, will they restore the wall, verse 2? Will they offer sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make this wall grow? Do they think God's still with them? And this discouragement comes into their lives and distracts them from what God's doing in their life. How many know that discouragement distracts us from what God's doing in our life, right? And, 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 and it call, pulls us back. Will they finish in a day? Can they really make this happen? They're focusing on their little bit of strength. They focus on their insecurity rather than God's ability. Look at this in verse 10. They focus on their weariness rather than God's strength. They actually say in Nehemiah 4.10, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that they cannot rebuild the wall. So they focus on their insecurity rather than God's ability and they focus on their weariness rather than God's strength. How many know if we look at ourselves long enough, we will be discouraged? In fact, Katie's got in our bathroom one of these mirrors that you can flip over. There's one side that's normal. There's another side you flip it over and it comes right up in on you. And you're like, are, are, are the pores of my nose, are they supposed? How many of you look at the mirror close enough? It's about to get real, right? I know Instagram has ways to help us brush and change and color things, you know. But the truth is all of us have experienced life and be discouraged. And that's what the people are doing. Their enemies are saying, just focus on you and just focus on the little you have and, and don't focus on what God can do with your life. And in fact, one of the amazing things about being a pastor is I was like the least likely guy to ever be a pastor. Um, 
I grew up super insecure and shy. In fact, I was so insecure in elementary school. My, my elementary teachers thought I had big problems. Maybe I have little ones. But uh, in fact, in third grade, my, my mom saved my third grade teacher's note. And it said, Brandon is making great progress on the report card in class. He even has begun to talk to other students. Like that was my big breakthrough, you know. And uh, in fact, my, uh, my third grade teacher, who eventually was my mother-in-law, gave me a job in class. If the class was good at the end of the day, everyone got a gummy worm. And I was the gummy worm distributor in my class. I think it was the first like leadership position I ever had. And I've had love for bulk candy ever since. But, uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, if it were good, you know, one at a time, come on, bro, just come on, you know, like pick your, you know, it was that kind of thing. And, and uh, my mother-in-law, uh, uh, my third grade teacher was my mother-in-law, not in third grade. I'm sorry. We're not that kind of church. I ended up marrying her daughter years later, right? That's a different church. We're not that. Everyone clear on that? Um, but, uh, but she, my mother-in-law, her name is Doris and she, she grew to six foot one by seventh grade and she kept praying. She was the tallest kid in her class, taller than all the boys. She wanted to be shorter. So every day she would pray, Jesus, just make me short. Stop letting me grow. And, and, uh, she's six foot one in sixth grade or seventh grade. And, and uh, finally, in her early 30s, she met my father-in-law, Ron. Doris and Ron got married. And you got to hear her tell the story that they're in front of the church. And, um, and they, the minister says, you may now kiss your bride. And then he's presenting the couple to the congregation. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, it's my happy privilege to present to you for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. Ron and Doris Short, because her name... His name was short. And so she's walking out of the church and she's like, Jesus, I should have been like one touch more specific with my prayer. <laughs> but you know, because my mother-in-law felt like she didn't always fit in in high school, she looked out for kids that didn't fit in and she invested in my life. And she, my mother-in-law was the kind of person that saw what you had, not what you didn't have. That saw the potential in people. I think we need more of those people. In fact, I think we need more of those churches. I think we have enough churches that say you're totally got. How many know we know we have a few problems? I can change. In fact, let's just start it off this way. How many this weekend admit that you have problems? Come on, raise your hand. Or we can change the sermon if we have to. But no, we already know that. But how many know we need people to lift us up and say God has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And I see something in you. John Maxwell says to write over everyone's head the number 10 and then treat them that way. It was when Jesus looked at Peter and said, you are Simon, but you will be Peter, right? And on this rock. I will. How many are thankful that God doesn't just see us where we are, but he has a plan and a purpose and he take and, and the people that were discouraging Nehemiah wanted to only focus on the little he had, but God was saying, I put something in you. I have something strong in you and I'm going to bring it out of you for my glory. How many want Thrive City to be a place of encouragement, right? Come on, to be hope filled and future focused and you can do it. What if it just got rumor? What if rumors started around the city of Syracuse that there was just a place that could believe in people? That there's just a place that believed in grace. There's a place that believed in a future. There's a place that developed people's spiritual gifts and helped them find their purpose. And, and there was a place. Well, I just, man, I think people are starving for that, right? Because there's places everywhere saying, here's all the problems. 
But God's looking for a group of people that don't cooperate with Sam Ballot and Tobiah. They're like Nehemiah's tribe. They're saying in all our building, there will be battling, but we're not going to be discouraged. I think I have one other cause of discouragement. And uh, um, is there a third one there? I think we have it. And that is uh, when we focus on our mess. The people literally say, um, how will I overcome this rubble, right? And man, we could do that all the time. Let me encourage us today. We're all in process, right? You know, one of my mentors used to say the biggest room is room for improvement, you know. I mean, all of us are in the process of becoming, right? But don't stare at your mess, right? Stare at what God has for you. He has more and better. In fact, verse 10, I won't even, I won't get into it because we're in church today, but there's a gate in, in uh, Israel called the Dung Gate, and I assume you might know what it is for there. And it's this place where they would take, excavate the city. And, and there's just, Nehemiah is just looking at the rubble and the mess and sewage problems. <laughs> and he's literally like, how can God do anything and all of that? And I think the same is true in us. If we look at, how many know if we look at our mess, we won't see what God has for us, right? All right, let me show you this, verse 12, Nehemiah 4. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them, look at this, 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. 10 times over, they told us, wherever you turn, they will attack us. 10 times over. Here's the second point I want you to see. The first one is don't be discouraged in all your building, they'll be battling. Here's the second thing. I hope this is encouraging. Don't be discouraged it's normal that you're discouraged. <laughs> you ever try to rebuild something? Even the most godly people at times are discouraged. You ever met, been around somebody super spiritual? They don't believe you could ever be discouraged. You know? Look, can I just give you a few people in the Bible that were discouraged? Elijah gets discouraged and he prays that God will kill him. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer all your prayers, right? <laughs> you know. Paul gets discouraged. 2 Corinthians 1 says he despaired even of life. Moses gets discouraged. Over and over again, discouragement is part of our life. Don't be discouraged. It's normal to be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. It's normal to be discouraged. Pastor Ray Johnston tells a story of his daughter who was in college writing a, um, a paper on leadership, and she decided to interview her dad. He's a great pastor and leader. And she asked him 20 questions on leadership, and the last question she asked him was this question, what's the most important thing you do as a leader? And he immediately answered, and he was surprised at his answer. He said, that's easy, I stay encouraged. And then he was like, wait, what does that mean? And he's right, he wrote it down, because he didn't expect himself to say that. And he thought, why am I saying that? And then the longer he thought, he thought, you know what? Everything in my life gets worse with discouragement. My marriage gets worse. As a father, I get worse. As a leader, I get worse. As a pastor, I get... I mean, how, how many know there's nothing in your life that gets better when you live discouraged and disappointed? You know, it all gets worse. And so he literally says one of the greatest, I think this is true in our life, one of the greatest disciplines we can, we can uh, face is to learn to encourage ourselves. right? The Bible actually says of King David, David learned to encourage himself in the Lord. How many know sometimes you don't, you, if nobody else will do it, you got to do it yourself. You know what I mean? In fact, there's actually a verse in Revelation where Jesus says, I am the first and the last, the beginning of the, the beginning and the end. Amen. Meaning Jesus actually, when he's preaching in the book of Revelation, amens himself. There are Sundays at my own church when nobody's helping me. I'll just say, you know what? Amen. You know what I mean? Like, how many know sometimes you got to encourage yourself, right? 
And, and, and that's the reality of life. Don't be discouraged. It's normal be, to be discouraged. But so much is riding on our future that to, to not live discouraged. And I'm going to give you one verse that I want you to take away today. And it's Nehemiah 4.14. Because Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 14, I think it's one of the key verses in the, whole book of, uh, in, in the whole book of Nehemiah. Let me show you it. He says, and after I looked, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your family, your sons and your daughters. Come on, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Look at that phrase, fight for your families. Would you say that with me? Come on, fight for your, come on, say it one more time. Fight for your, how many know the people around us, well-being is, is, is affected by our ability to stay in the fight and keep trusting God? How many know your discouragement and disappointment affects people around you, right? And how many know our disposition affects the people around? And I've thought to myself that I got four kids. Come on, I got a daughter who just turned 18. She just turned 18 last week, 18 Man, I need prayer today at the end. And uh, 18, 16, 14, and 12. Come on, I got girls on both ends, boys in the middle, you know. And I got, I got a son learning to drive, a daughter who I didn't want to give her a car, and somebody in the church gave her a car. Lord, help me. And I said, why would you do that? Well, I just wanted to give her a car and bless her. And so now how many know it needed a lot of work? In fact, how many know you said that's a blessing that somebody gave you a car? Really? I'm not sure you know the kind of cars people give pastors, okay? It had no air conditioning. And so my my daughter, this is in Richmond, Virginia, okay? My daughter said to me, it's, I need to fix the air conditioning. It's $700 to fix the air conditioning. And I said, well, whose car is that? She said, well, it's my car. And I said, well, who do you think should pay for the air conditioning? She said, you. So I said, all right, fine. So I paid for her car the other day, asked Katie, her car was behind my car in the driveway. And I said, I'm just going out to grab a coffee real quick. I'll be right back. And she said, you can't take my car. Excuse me? I just paid $700 for the AC. I'm going to turn the AC so cold. I'm just going to sit in it. You know what I mean? And uh, how many know our families, how many know the people around us are affected by whether or not we can stay encouraged, right? And Nehemiah actually says something interesting. The people are getting discouraged because Sanballat, Tobiah, all the Geshem, all the people around them are speaking negativity. The fox is going to knock your wall down. You'll never get it rebuilt. It, it's, it's not going to make it. And he literally rallies the people, okay? It's like he gathers them all around and he says, listen, listen up, Thrive City. I got to tell you something. Your ability to keep building is going, to be, is going to affect your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, your neighbors, your community, your cousin. How many know our faith affects those around us, right? And he literally challenges the people and says, it's not just about you. If you get stuck in a place of disappointment and discouragement, it'll have a ripple effect around all those around you. But if you and I keep trusting God, we know that God has a purpose and a plan and our lives affect the lives of those around us. So I want to encourage you with this. Don't be discouraged. Your home means too much, okay? Your home means too much. There's too much riding on us living discouraged. There's too much riding on us living discouraged. If I, if I go and live a discouraged life, it's going to affect the world around us. In the middle of COVID, um, I don't know if you know, the hardest time to ever, I've been pastor now 20 years-ish, and uh, the hardest season I've ever pastored was the last two years. And uh, 
We lived in Richmond, Virginia, in the middle of racial tension. Our church was one block from Monument Ave. Okay, if you ever watch Monument Ave, it's featured on CNN and other things. It's where Robert E. Lee statues. I mean, there, there was, there was, it was so much division in our city, so much brokenness. You had COVID, you had online church, you had racial tensions. You had people distance, and all the whole time I'm like a pastor, and I don't know what to do. And, and some people want you to wear a mask, and some people don't want, how, how many know that deal, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, and you're going like this, and you're living through it all. And, and I was reading um, the book of Exodus, and God spoke to me through it, because the priests in the Old Testament, the Bible says that they had bells on the edge of their um, of their garments and wherever they went. It would, Josephus actually says that the high priest would have 72 little bells, little tassels that would ring, you know. So think about it. Whenever, if, imagine if pastor dressed like that. Wherever you'd, you'd hear him coming, you know, like here he comes jingling. And, uh, and I was thinking to myself when I was reading that of how um, wherever the priest went, you could hear the noise of the jingle, you know. And at least what God told me during COVID was that my church and my family, I, I had to get over my discouragement. Because, because I was pulling them down. And so I had this picture. The question God asked me was, what's the noise people hear? What's the jingle they hear when you walk up? So can I ask you that question? What do people think when you're coming towards them? Are they like, oh, here comes a complainer. Here comes a corrector. Here comes, mm, you know. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you as a pastor, because I can say it today and then leave. Some people are like, well, I'm prophetic. And I'm like, I think you're just mean. I know, I know we're calling it something spiritual, but I think you're just mean. And when I see you coming down this aisle, I go like this. Oh, no, 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 no. How many know, but there's another kind of person. You see them coming. How many know the, the encourager? And you say, man, I need to get, I got a guy in my church every week. He tells me it looks like I've lost weight. It's not true, but I just walk near him. Like, come on, Rob will say it, you know. Hey, pastor, you losing weight. Rob, I love you, man. Here, here's all I'm saying. What if we just chose today, Memorial Day weekend, as a church to just be a joyful house, right? To be a life-giving house, to be a hope-filled house, to be a house that when people feel us coming towards them, they hear the jingling sound of joy. And Je- How many think if Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, we're going to heaven, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and our future is secure, we ought to be a little bit more joyful than we are, right? Yeah, I think we ought to. And- and it's not just our life that hinges on it. It's the people around us. So don't, don't be discouraged because the people around you, your home, uh, all means too much for it. All right, pull up one more verse for me, would you? Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their what? With all their heart. Here's my fourth point. Don't be discouraged. You're halfway there. And we are more than halfway through this sermon. I'll just tell you, okay? But let me just say this, the halfway point is the hardest point. Let me tell you what, it's not the first year of the church, it's, it's halfway through the first year. It's not, how many know it's not the first month of marriage, it's the second year of marriage, right? I, I love doing premarital counseling because people come to me and they're, they're just so amazing, engaged. And she's like, he's so laid back and he's like, and she's so organized. And like one year later, she's always like, and he's lazy and she's controlling. How many know what I'm talking about, right? 
Because it's not the start or the finish. How many know it's in the middle? It's in the halfway. And that's what happened in the halfway. The people kept trusting in the halfway. How many know it's not just the start? It's keep going. It's keep trusting. It's keep building. It's keep going. It's stay balanced. And the Bible says, so the worker worked with all their might. We don't even have time to get into it. There are so many great verses in this chapter. But on your own, look through verses 16 to 18. It literally says half the people were building the wall and half stood with a sword to fight off the enemy. Half build half battled. And in fact, it says some of them had, had, were building with one hand, fighting with the other, right? And, and I think we need builders and we need battlers. And, we, and there are times in life we're building and then there are times in life we're battling. There are times in life we're building, times of life we're battling. But we just keep trusting, keep believing. And that's what the people did. And they built the wall, okay? They rebuilt the wall. And I want you to know this wall had been sitting in rubble for a generation and a half that had looked at it. A hundred years they had looked at the brokenness. And God was going to use this group of people to in 52 days. How many think that sounds efficient, right? With supply chain problems we can't even get lumber in 52 days right I mean like 52 days they rebuilt the wall and God did something amazing don't be discouraged you're halfway there okay we're almost done tell the person next to you don't be discouraged we're halfway there come on don't be not of the sermon we're almost done okay all right let me show you one more verse I think we have it on the screens if we don't I'll read it Nehemiah 4 verses 19 and 20 then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we're widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the, sign, the sound of the trumpet, join us here, for our God will fight for us. Don't you love those words? Come on, say it with me. Our God will fight for. Come on, one more time. Our God will fight for us. Don't you love that God fights for us? How many are grateful that we have more than just natural weapons? How many in your life need more than just your own intellect and ability? You need the touch of God, right? The Bible calls that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's God's empowering presence on the inside of us. If you're going to play something spiritual, you can. I don't know, or you want to wait till later, whatever you want, Pastor. I'm good with it. But uh, either way, God builds for us. Here's number five. Don't be discouraged. God's fighting for us. Don't be discouraged. God's fighting for us. I don't know if they still had these with a kid. When I was a kid, they had those um, bounce back balloon thing. Like the, the, the figures that are, what do you call them, Katie? Okay, you don't know what I'm saying. Uh, what, what am I talking about? Yeah, a punching. It's not a punching bag, but it's a punching thing. Yeah, it's a weighted thing. This is a, I'm really powerfully closing this sermon today, aren't I? That's how you do it. Don't do it, Pastor. But uh, So that you'd have like whatever. It's like this inflatable thing that's weighted at the bottom and you'd punch it, but it was weighted at the bottom and it would fall down and then it would come back. And then you hit it again and it would go down. And how many kind of know what I'm talking about? Okay, just humor me. Make me feel okay. I'm, I'm almost done. And I, I, th- I had this picture of that being our lives this weekend. Boom. Nope, you know, boom, nope, I'm still here. Boom, nope, I'm still, this ability, I really believe that resiliency and the ability to bounce back through the power of God drives our life. Anybody believe that, right? Like, and that's what the people of God did in this whole chapter. In fact, next chapter five, they rebuild. And then in chapter six, they have more trouble. I wish the whole book of Nehemiah 
wasn't full of challenges, but it just is. Over and over again, they keep hitting this. I want to read you this quote because it's amazing. Igor Sierkowski was 12 years old when his parents told him that competent human authorities had already proved that flight was impossible. And he was the man who went on to build the first helicopter. And in, in uh, his building where they actually built helicopters, he had a sign over the front of the doors. Everybody was walking in that said this. According to recognized aerotechnical tests, the bumblebee cannot fly because of the shape of the weight of his body in relationship to the total wing area. But the bumblebee does not know this, so he goes ahead and flies anyways, right? How many know that's what faith is? Faith is not listening to the enemy or the obstacles or the challenges around us. Faith is listening to God. How many want to hear the voice of God, right? Like, Not what the world says about me, not what the culture says. I want to be tuned to the voice of God. I want to be the voice, not the echo of the world. I'm going to trust God. I want to follow him. And so over that, Nehemiah, set back, advance. Set back, advance. Set back, advance. Set back, advance. But here's the thing. Don't be discouraged for God's fighting with you, for you. Aren't you glad God's fighting for you? Come on. Aren't you glad God's fighting for you? Victory, defeat. Victory, defeat. Victory, defeat. But I just, I just keep bouncing back. I just, I have the person of Jesus on the inside of me and the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I have God's call on my life. I have a certain promise and plan over my life. So sure, sure that was hard, but I just, I'm not, I'm just back and back and back. Our ability to be resilient drives the future, I think. And because of Nehemiah's faith in God, they, they, they bounce back. And guess what's going to happen? 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. You'll, you'll maybe see it in a few weeks in chapter 8. They all assemble and the power of God comes on them and they open the word of God and there's a revival in the city. God's word is reestablished. But I want you to know, everything that happens in that city that God did great in the future was built on the battlefield. So I want to tell you this, Thrive City. You were built for battle. You were built for, you can do this. You were built, you and I were built for battle. And when we realize that greater is he that's in us than in the world and God's called us and equipped us, we can bounce back. We can bounce back. Why? Because God is fighting for us. How many know the whole story of the Bible's bounce back, right? It's Jesus died on a cross and come on, bounce, wrote back. From, in fact, what the enemy intended to discourage and defeat, how many know God was using to plant the death of Christ in the soil of God's sovereignty that our sins might be forgiven, that he might on the third day rise from the dead and give us the power to be victorious, right? So if you're discouraged this weekend, don't be discouraged. God's fighting for you. Bounce back. Too much rests on it. It's normal. It's just part. It's just a season. God's got it under control. Purpose in your heart. I'm gonna. I'm gonna become who God's called me to become. I'm gonna pray for us in just a second. One last illustration. I was sitting with a a counselor, and she told me. I said, "Tell me one key to helping couples in marriage counseling." And she said, well, I never give them anything important to work on for the first few sessions. I don't know why it so weirded me out because I was like, you're a counselor. I would think you get right at it, you know, like at the work. She's like, no, I never have the couples work on anything important. I give them a little project that's 
an easy win on the edge of their marriage. And here's, here's what she said that hit me. And I it just, she said, because I know if they can just make 10% progress in their marriage, they'll get hope again. And once there's hope again in their marriage, anything can happen. And she said, what, a, what an inexperienced counselor does is they go right to the problem immediately, session one, five minutes in. And this couple been fighting about it 10 years and they're like, let's get right to it. And then they, and I, she said, no, 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 I just get them winning because as soon as I get them winning, 10% ho- victory, hope returns. And when hope returns, anything is possible. How many know when hope returns, anything is possible? Come on, anything is possible. Come on, let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm going to pray for us today. If you're comfortable, would you hold your palms out like this? If you'd just be, do me the honor, let me pray for us. So Jesus, thank you for this great church. and Thank you for the future over this house, God. The plan and the purpose of God for us. The way you're going to change this community. and God, that you've planted us in this place. Oh, how good are you. And oh, how blessed are we. And, and Jesus, yet the enemy wants to knock us down. And maybe some of us even are walking through some things. We got some um, relational Uh, wounds and some uh, emotional hits and maybe some challenges in our but Jesus we heard the word of God not the word of man that our God will fight for us and so Jesus would you come in and do what only you can do God fight in these circumstances God show yourself strong may the arm of the Lord reach out into our lives into our families into our relationships our businesses our school And God, in this church, let it be seen, there's a church that thrives. (laughs) It's a bounce back place. It's a place where you can come uh, uh, limping through life and find joy and a future and hope. And we hold our hands open today, God, as a posture of just receiving everything you have for us. And we trust you, Lord, and we commit our lives to you and our confidence is in you, for we pray it in Jesus' name.